everyone. This is Dottie Laster with Trafficked, produced and broadcast by Zeus Radio Network for Hear Women Talk. Thank you all for joining us today. This is our debut show of Trafficked, a show about human trafficking in the United States and around the world. Welcome and thank you for all the uh, chats and calls and emails that we've gotten. We encourage you to call in, chat in, and phone in. Um, our first guest is Mark Wexler of Not For Sale, and he is, re- he is stepping in for our announcement as we, we said that David Batstone would be live from South Africa. The only problem is David Batstone's on an airplane. So I thank Mark so much for stepping in. He's a co-founder of Not For Sale, and we are looking forward to a great discussion with, with him. We also, in the second half hour, will be speaking with Betty Hoban of the Eastern Coalition, Eastern Carolina Coalition Against Human Trafficking, and she is going to talk about work that's going on in the United States. And then we will wrap up with a wonderful poem by Larry Jaffe, author of One Child Sold. Welcome, Mark. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having having me on. And uh, Dave sends his regards from South Africa. And uh, yeah, just uh, thank, thanks for having me. Well, I am so glad that you are here. And I want to hear what all is going on at Not For Sale. But first of all, could you start off by telling us how it got started? What got you here and what got Not For Sale to grow to, you know, from an idea to the big organization that it's become? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, um, a pretty fascinating uh, background in, in history to to exactly how you put it. It it was a was a, a an idea and kind of a, a glimmer of a of an idea of how do we build a, a global grassroots movement to combat uh, human trafficking, and um, it, it actually uh, started in South Africa. Believe it or not. Uh, um, back in uh, 2005, I was uh, living in Durban, South Africa, working with a, a street kids organization, uh, working on the streets uh, with uh, uh, kids. There's an estimated 6,000 kids uh, on the streets of, uh, of Durban. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was, it was one of those things where I didn't even realize at the time that the depth and gravity uh, of uh, the vulnerability of the kids in terms of, of trafficking. It wasn't something that was a, a lens uh, for me to, to know and understand and um, uh, near the end of my uh, time uh, in Durban, uh, David and uh, David Badstone and uh, Enrique Bazan, the uh, third co-founder of, of Not For Sale, uh, came down to, to Durban. And at the time, David was writing this book called Not For Sale. And uh, I had to say, sometimes I can be a bit of a pest. And uh, I, um, I asked the question, how many people, unfortunately, uh, I'm thinking of uh, just everyday folks, um, yeah, out of 100 people, how many people on their uh, summer vacation are going to want to pick up and read a book about human trafficking? It's just an unfortunate truth that, that uh, we face. Uh, and uh, uh, we got to thinking, you know, maybe one out of 100, maybe half a person out of 100. I don't know. Uh, um, <laughs> so you didn't I, think it was going to be in the self-help section at Barnes & Noble with exactly. everyone walking by saying, I want two copies. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, so we started thinking about how we could we could uh, build and kind of leverage a movement from a book, and then we uh, uh, we got connected with uh, uh, Amazing Grace, the uh, uh, film about William Wilberforce and the uh, our, uh, abolitionist movement 200 years ago, and 
Um, Let's stop there just a second. Amazing Grace, you know, I saw that film when we were at the White House a few years ago, and I believe David was there also. We were invited. um, He was a speaker, and we were invited for our work on trafficking. And, you know, as much as I've been involved, I did not realize what that song was about. That's right. That's right. There's such an amazing deep history and uh, uh, background to the uh, the original abolitionist movement and r- rooted in uh, the, the song Amazing Grace. And, uh, um, you know, that's something with Not For Sale that we really try to harken back to. And, and uh, uh, I, I think it, it, it uh, understanding that the, the modern day abolitionist movement has its roots uh, 200 years ago to uh, to be pillared in, in something that is way beyond us as individuals or even as an organization like Not For Sale, uh, but that um, I think we face this over and over. There are, 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 are young people today and, uh, uh, and anyone today who says, you know, I really wish I'd lived 200 years ago so I could have been a part of the, the abolitionist movement. I wish I could have had purpose in my life or, you know, I, I wish I uh, had, had been involved with the uh, civil rights movement in the 60s. But, you know, the truth is that we are at a point in time right now here today uh, where, you know, that's what we're faced with. We, ha- we need a, a modern-day abolitionist movement to, um, to eradicate this, this crime that exists so, so pervasively around us. And, uh, um, you know, it's, that's really a big, big calling of Not For Sale is to, to uh, be a part of and, and help drive the modern-day abolitionist movement. Well, isn't that interesting? You know, you've actually, uh, um, I've been on some other shows recently, and I, and I talked about similar ideas where, as a kid, I had wished that I had been able to assist in combating slavery, never mm-hmm. believing for a moment I'd actually have a role in doing so, you know, in modern day. And so you have these ideas. You guys met. You're in South Africa. <laughs> you're, you're looking at 6,000 street kids. That's right. What did you do next? You've got this book. You're thinking, well, you know, maybe a couple of people will buy it. Where'd you go from there? Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, uh, the uh, Kike and Dave um, uh, very easily convinced me to to move back to the San Francisco Bay Area. So that 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 was step one. They got me to to get back out to the the Bay Area. Not uh, not too much arm twisting there. Um, yeah, I don't blame <laughs> you there. <laughs> uh, and from there, it was, uh, uh, you know what, to be honest, it's a lot of hard work and uh, a lot of uh, early mornings and late nights. And um, uh, we started to think about, you know, looking at the, the modern day abolitionist movement and where we stand now. How do we, uh, as smart activists, that's kind of, we, we rooted ourselves in, in two, two very core uh, pillars or, or, uh, 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 that are core to the not for sale ethos. It's called smart activism. So basically, thinking before you act. Uh, and with that, with that in mind, we looked at the uh, kind of the lay of the land of the modern day abolitionist movement and also the needs that the modern day abolitionist movement is facing and, and what, what are people looking for? Um, and uh, uh, one of the things, that, one of the answers that we found is we needed to, to help build a grassroots network. So today we have over 45 state and regional uh, operations all run by volunteers who work anywhere from 20 to 40 hours a week. These are volunteers working 20 to 40 hours a week, whether it be in Minneapolis where I am today, um, uh, or it's uh, uh, in New York State or in uh, Southern California. We've got people all around um, uh, the United States who are uh, plugged in and involved on a volunteer level. Uh, and if anyone's out there wanting to get plugged in on their local level with a, a regional director with Not For Sale, just go to the Not For Sale website, get plugged in there. 
Um, and the other core pillar of uh, not for sale is something called open source activism. Basically, the idea there is that uh, you know everyone has their own uh, gift and talent, and it doesn't matter what what it is. You can use that gift and talent to be a part of the modern day abolitionist movement. Um, I think there's a misnomer that that uh, um, uh, people feel like they have to become Harriet Tubman or William Wilberforce or the Martin Luther Kings of the world or the Gandhis of the world. The truth is that um, those people were just themselves. Uh, we tend to deify leaders like that, and you know, I think that's unfortunate. It puts puts it out of reach. The truth is that they were individuals who who uh, realized that at that point in time they needed to act, and um, so are we. We're we're all in that point uh, in that boat together today with the modern day abolitionist movement. That we can be a part of that, and we can uh, uh, um, help spur a, a broad based. Uh, uh, movement of people around the world that say, you know what, uh, 30 million people enslaved in the world today are, are 30 million too too many. And uh, uh, I agree, and I think that's yeah. an important point. Is that you know I, I've I've read a lot of Martin Luther King's writings, Frederick mm-hmm. Douglass. Um, I quote him often. He hangs over yeah. my desk, mm-hmm. and um, you know they they had problems with their bills. They they had right. problems family they were like you know funders were pulling them one way or another and the same problems you and i have running any organization whether it's our family an organization of a few people or one as large as not for sale and i think that's a real important point for our listeners to understand is what binds you together what keeps Mm. you going through those things is the need and the desire to make the world a better place and it's it's I think all those people were just reaching their potential. Do you agree? The people oh, you quoted, abs- absolutely. Yeah, there's 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 no doubt about that. You know, um, and it's funny. It's funny you say the, the first year of not for sale. I literally lived on a, a, a friend's couch uh, in in Berkeley, and uh, uh, that was what we <laughs> needed to get to get it off the ground. And uh, uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It, uh, it it taught me a thing or two about uh, um, uh, about just being being driven by. Uh, by the uh, um, desire to, to be a part of a movement that was just above and beyond myself as an individual or above beyond what not for sale has become. Um, and uh, it, there's something beautiful about that, knowing that it's uh, – uh, there's something very intrinsic about what the modern-day abolitionist movement is and what it's becoming. And uh, it's just – it's above any individual or any ego, let's say. Uh, and uh, uh, – there's something very freeing and, and uh, refreshing about that to know that uh, uh, through uni- unification and through a unified front um, that we can all be working together to uh, combat combat human trafficking today. Um, uh, you know, there's to me, there's there's nothing more uniting than saying, hey, uh, if you're in a room full of people, you say, uh, who who is for modern day slavery? You're not going to get anyone to raise their hand. So right then and there, you found Something you can sit and, and, and have a commonality about. It doesn't matter if so you're... So you tried that? Have you t- <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I, have to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Just imagine. Yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. If someone puts their, their hand up, then you're going to kick them out the door, right? So, um, well, in a group, you know, <laughs> they probably would... Yeah, I'd be funny. Maybe we should invite some pimps over, have a meeting. Okay. Well, that's a good point. Raise uh, their hand. Um, you know, uh, what do you think? And that, you know, that's part of the, the the cultural shift that we need to make in our in our country today and, and around the world. To say, you know, we can look at things that we um, 
we even glorify things like that in our culture. And, and uh, we need enough people to stand up and say, look, we need a, a cultural shift right here in the United States. We need a, uh, a change of heart and mind here and around the world to say that, you know, what we might've glorified in the past is not okay. And, and uh, uh, we'll, uh, 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 we'll, we'll stand united against, against that. So, um, yeah. Well, well, um, we're going to go to a break in just a minute. I wanted to sum up with just a couple of uh, observations, and then when we come back, there's some amazing uh, folks that you told me about in Thailand and Peru, yes. and I would love to hear their stories. So what we've, what we've just discussed is not for sale started as an idea. You spend a lot of time sleeping on a couch because uh, <laughs> like ideas without funding, they, they're ideas, right? That's yeah, right. And to pull a, a lot of uh, amazing feats to get it into motion. That's right. And now tell me how big, how many volunteers, remind me, how big is this not-for-sale organization? You know, it's incredible. Uh, you know, on on a, uh, uh, we count 250,000 people as members of our constituency that we, we message on a uh, daily and a weekly basis. Uh, 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 a very st- uh, stride and true volunteer force that, uh, it consists of regional directors around the United States of 45 uh, uh, individuals who, who run our state regional operations. Uh, and then we have uh, uh, franchises around uh, the world uh, that are just starting up in South Africa. Uh, we, uh, who They've done amazing work around the World Cup that uh, uh, they did a, a red card campaign where they uh, handed out over 25,000 uh, uh, leaflets uh, to people going in and out of the, the soccer games there at the World Cup. And made it just a huge uh, uh, effect there. Um, so you went then, from the couch to the World Cup. <laughs> the couch to the World Cup. That's right. All That's right. right. Well, let's go to break now, and I want to come back and hear about the people in Thailand and Peru. Thank Sounds you. Great. Welcome back, everyone. This is Dottie Laster with Trafficked. We are. Speaking today with Mark Wexler of Not For Sale, we have been discussing how it came from a, um, an idea on the couch to uh, one that spread around the world. And we didn't like you to join this conversation. And you can do so by calling in at 646-652-2071. We're also watching the chat line at here, com. Post your question on the chat, and we'll answer you live. Also, if you would join hearwomentalk.com, you can get show updates, you can join the trafficked social page, and you can stay in touch with Mark and Not For Sale, not just today, but on into the future. So join hearwomentalk.com and stay up to date on what's happening in the United States and around the world on human trafficking. So, we discussed earlier that you had been um, faced with this need and idea, Mark, and he had been, um, you know, pulling off the impossible, moving from South Africa to California, um, sleeping on a couch near Berkeley, and all of a sudden now it's grown, and and I say all of a sudden, I know that um, there were long, hard nights that went into doing this, but it's grown to a global organization. And right. as we talked yesterday, you told me about some amazing people that you've um, come across and have developed such wonderful projects. Um, 
You told me about Kru Nam, an artist in Thailand. Can you explain about her story and how you got connected with her? Absolutely. You know, uh, Kru Nam was uh, a, a woman who we met along the way, actually while uh, Dave was writing the book, uh, Not For Sale. In fact, you can uh, read about her in the Not For Sale book. Uh, but uh, her story, I think, is a lot like uh, many other modern-day abolitionists. She, uh, uh, I don't think she woke up one morning and realized, hey, this is... Um, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a modern-day abolitionist. It was something that she, in some respects, stumbled into. And, uh, you know, I, I would I would say maybe really the, the same for me and, and others with Not For Sale. It's something that um, uh, you'd awaken to and you realize, wow, this is my, my calling. This is my, my direction. And uh, uh, it's almost a hair on, on, on fire passion to uh, uh, to be a part of this movement. And uh, Kru Nam was uh, someone that we looked to as a, as a leader in this movement and uh, someone who, uh, whose story I think can, can really inspire people to, to take action as well. She, um, as you notice, she was a, an artist. She was living in Chiang Mai, which is about halfway up the, the country in uh, Thailand. And uh, um, she uh, uh, every day would leave her, her flat, her house, and, and head across uh, town to uh, uh, her installation, her artist installation. And uh, um, she would uh, see all these kids, these, street kids on the streets of Chiang Mai and, and uh, she was always wondering why there were kids on the streets and, and where they'd come from and why they were there and um, so she started to, to uh, build a relationship with the kids and, and uh, uh, break bread with them and spend time with them and um, uh, you know uh, months and years went by and she still hadn't uh, been able to kind of break through and, and get a feel for why the kids are on the streets. And uh, so she said, you know, I, I'm an artist. I'm going to use my talent as an artist and my, my, my gift. And I'm going to take my, uh, my materials, my, uh, my canvas and my, my paints. And I'm going to head out to the, to the streets and, and have the kids draw and uh, uh, spend time with them that way. Uh, and what came out on the campus were just some of the most horrific images you could possibly imagine. You know, these are, five, six, seven-year-old kids, and uh, their drawings are some of the uh, uh, um, just the, the, the most horrific images. And uh, um, uh, it, it led to a, a greater conversation about, you know, well, you know, I'm the kids were saying, I'm not from Thailand, or I'm from a, a hill tribe village in the north of Thailand, or I'm from uh, Burma, Laos, southern China, Vietnam. And um, I was actually uh, sold and brought here and forced to work in the karaoke bars of Chiang Mai. Uh, and uh, Kronam just got really angry, I think, as most people would. You know, there's a, there's a, a real uh, in, in, uh, uh, rage there that uh, stirred within, and, and uh, she I did I kind of laugh because that's a comment that I hear a lot, and I felt myself, which drove me in, was anger. And I, I think yeah. anger moves us to action, and I know that artists, um, you know, good artists can move people to action, and uh, you're describing perfectly... Um, that idea of art moving people to action, and it moved her. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and and uh, uh, you know, it, it, what she did was probably did what a lot of people would like to do. It's probably not a, the best form of smart activism that we we would advocate for. But she <laughs> she went running into some of the karaoke bars and started taking kids out. And uh, uh, to be honest, uh, uh, again, not the best interve- intervention technique. We wouldn't advise it. But. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> She uh, she got lucky. We have a be. comment. Good for her. Yes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, she uh, uh, she got lucky though because uh, the owners of the karaoke bar uh, actually told her 
we will kill you if you continue to do that. And, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, many times uh, she wouldn't have had that chance. She wouldn't have that second chance. So she decided, okay, like, like any smart activist, she said, you know what, I can't continue to, to do this. I need to, um, I need to, to rethink and retool, uh, you know, and at, at that point in time, she had, uh, uh, 18 kids and didn't have a plan. I'll be honest. I have no kids and I don't have a plan and I, I feel uh, <laughs> overwhelmed. So I, uh, it can only imagine she has 18 kids that she's, uh, uh taking care of and, uh, she's there in Chiang Mai and she decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to move north. And this is a, at the time where, uh, not for sale, we met Kurunam. And, um, so she had, uh, the 18 kids, she asked them if they wanted to move north with her to the Golden Triangle region. Uh, uh, in the northern part of Thailand, and uh, they agreed. And uh, what uh, the first uh, international project that we took on at Nar for Sale was in partnership with True uh, Nam and there in Thailand. And um, uh, since that t- point in time, uh, we went from uh, uh, helping build a one one uh, housing unit. We now have uh, a small village where over 100, uh, 135 kids are now living. Uh, with Krunam. What she did was uh, build a network along the border uh, so that if there were any uh, kids brought to the border that there would be uh, people who would call her and say, hey, there are you know, a group of kids who are coming to the border uh, either from uh, uh, family members or from uh, other individuals who are looking to uh, to uh, traffic the children. And uh, uh, Krunam meets meets the family or the, uh, the trafficker before they can get into Thailand and, and uh, intervene. So, uh, yeah, there are now, now over 130 kids there, and uh, we have helped uh, help fund uh, five housing units. We're trying to add add another one. Uh, there's a, a large uh, uh, basketball court slash uh, volleyball wow. and soccer court that uh, actually the former, a former uh, 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 trainer of Michael Jordan um, Gary Gray, who's based up in, in Michigan, uh, helped uh, uh, bring together the funds for that and actually went over and held a week, week-long uh, uh, basketball camp with the kids. So uh, just a good example. So, of, you know, so it went from her being angered and, and qu- well, questioning street children why they were there and then being angered when she found out why to action to right. basketball in a village. Right. I mean, that that's is right. just amazing. What, uh, we have a question. What year did this happen? When did this start? That was in 2000 and, uh, 2006, 2007. Has not been well, that long. Well, so fairly recent. And look at the progress. That's amazing. Um, what happened to the kids' parents? I mean, and, and we have to understand this is a little bit different. Mm. There's not such the child welfare agencies and things like that. Right. And, right. and so right. um, is that just an unknown or are they able to repatriate or how, how does that work with the, ki- the parents? Yeah, there's there's an attempt there, uh, and and uh, what Krunam will do, she has a team there that goes back to some of the villages where some of the kids came came from, and to see if there's a, a an opportunity to repatriate. Uh, if there is not uh, a, an opportunity to do that, then they they remain at the, the village, and then what we do is we've built relationships with uh, many of the uh, schools in the area and also a hospital in the area, so they're getting uh, their medical needs. But uh, uh, the big thing is education. Um, well, let's, um, let's jump here. We have a question now, and, and I think this is a good example. You know, this is someone that got involved because she had a heart. And I have a question from Katie Calvert. She's in Alabama and does not see a volunteer 
um, or a, a group of Not For Sale in Alabama. Is there one there? And if not, how can she get with you to start one? That's a, a great question. Uh, uh, yeah, unfortunately, is, that is one, one place where we, we don't have a, a regional director. And uh, the way to get plugged in there, uh, um, on, our, uh, on our website, there should be a, 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 a email address for Amelda Boonkop, who is our uh, national constituent, constituency I director. Know, Amelda. That's great. Uh, That's yeah, great. So Amelda is working with Not For Sale uh, as our, okay. uh, our, our, our regional director, um, uh, program director, and she uh, she's working working hard, fast and furious uh, down in LA and uh, connecting all of our directors, get, getting them activated. So, uh, well, uh, we're going to have to wrap up here, and I just wanted to do two things: one, to thank you profusely for your stories here. This thirty minutes goes too quick. We've got another guest for our second half hour that's going to talk about things locally. What I would like to do is make sure that guests and listeners can stay in touch with you through our Hero Women Talk uh, social site for Trafficked and uh, I'll send you directions you can join in there and they can reach out and continue to ask questions and connect and maybe start that uh, not for sale in Alabama um, the other thing is that um, we would love to keep discussing this story and we didn't get to your second story out of Peru and maybe if you could uh chat with us on our um, Hero Women Talk social site, we can continue this discussion past the show. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me, Dottie. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Mark, and thanks for being in our groundbreaking, historic first show on human trafficking. It's congratulations. (laughs) I appreciate it. It's time for us to take a break now, and we we come back, we are going to talk about human trafficking in the United States. And remember, you can call and chat in. Our call-in line is 646-652-2071. Please join us at hearwomentalk.com. Jump in and keep the discussion going on our social sites and our chat lines. Welcome back, folks, to Traffic with Dottie Laster. Well, we just ended a wonderful uh, discussion with Mark Wexler of Not For Sale. And I want to take just a minute, and I usually, um, or my next show is I'll be doing a rave at the beginning of the show. Um, I put this one in the middle because, well, guys, <laughs> I just forgot. Um, but anyhow, I really want to shout out to Hear Women Talk Network and their team. There is a large group of people that are making this show possible, and I want to thank them so much. They saw what they do every day. and how it could help combat trafficking. And I am just honored, privileged, and humbled to be a part of this great team. Um, Kay Van Hoosen, um, Jeff and Dustin Gilder, Bernie, who has done an amazing job with the music. I saw comments on the music. I want you guys to uh, chat in and give him a big thumbs up on the music. Um, I had really specific requirements I wanted, and boy, he just... He ran with it, and I'm so happy. So anyhow, that's my rave for the week. Um, It will continue on into the future, but I just want everyone to know I really appreciate Hear Women Talk and Zeus Networks. And together, with your help as listeners and and, uh, people that are guests and, and people that share the show, we can change the world. So thank you. All right. Let's move from the global to the local. And local, I mean national, inside the United States. 
I don't know if a lot of the listeners know that human trafficking is modern slavery. I want to make sure we're clear on that on every show. Also, that any minor, any child, doesn't matter where they've come from, in commercial sex is a victim of trafficking. So when you think about our runaways and our teens and this glorified pimp and prostitution lifestyle, you understand right here in the United States, we are a major source country for human trafficking as well as a destination country so there are great organizations out there working to combat this to bring about awareness to change laws and legislations within the states to make sure that children and victims of trafficking are protected this brings me to introduce a most wonderful woman who has agreed to be on our inaugural show on human trafficking miss betty hubion she's a founding member of the eastern coalition Against human tra- Eastern Carolina Coalition Against Human Trafficking. She first became aware of human trafficking when she was a member of the Associated Country Women of the World. In 1998, that organization passed anti- anti-human trafficking resolution at a conference of all places in South Africa. And believe it or not, I had no idea that these two organizations had both op- or these two people had both operated in South Africa. You know, I find combating trafficking that there's a lot of synergy and many things that come together that I wouldn't have had the vision to have planned, and and this seems to be one of them. Um, This resolution was carried out in 65 countries by 10 million members. Um, Betty Hubion followed up with a visit to Oxfam and anti-slavery in in London or in in the United Kingdom. Um... She then moved to South Carolina and found it natural to join the Eastern Carolina Coalition Against Human Trafficking. Since then, she has assumed leadership of the Legislative Committee and the passage of South Carolina Bill 4522, the nationally designated January 11th Human Trafficking Awareness Day. And I don't know if you're aware of that, but every January 11th, there is a National Human Trafficking Awareness Day. And that's really important because it spurs lots of events, lots of awareness, and an excuse to stop and take a minute in in other people's everyday world. We're all doing human trafficking 24-7, but the rest of the public gets to halt just a minute and realize that this happens. So we appreciate all her work, all her volunteer activities, and the amazing impact she's had in combating human trafficking. There's many, many more things in her resume here, but I want to just... Um, let her get to speak so I also will end with that she formed Resolve a limited liability corporation that offers business linkage services for international trade and investment and such a natural fit with what we're doing Resolve also architects projects for sustainable development um, Hubion comes to Resolve with a background in community and economic development including consulting ser- services and strategic planning um, she has had both corporate and nonprofit experience in the United States, Zimbabwe, Nigeria, Afghanistan, the United Arab Emirates, South Africa, New Zealand, and India. Welcome. Welcome, Betty, and thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Dottie. I didn't know I did all that. Thank God hey, I did all at once. <laughs> You're quite amazing. No, it's, a, it's being surrounded by a lot of amazing people around this world doing so many things like Mark in the last half hour and and uh, Not For Sale and Seropnos International and uh, the 
Project Meridian International and some of the, all the other organizations that have become involved in human trafficking. It's amazing. Well, tell me, when you first heard about human trafficking, and it looks like read right around 1998, um, what did you think? Well, I, I, uh, I knew it was wrong. <laughs> it's not quite right. The term modern-day slavery had yet to be placed on it and labeled it. It came out of um, the United Kingdom, and that's where that anti, uh, the anti-slavery organization is located, and it's the oldest one in the whole world. It's been fighting slavery uh, for centuries, it seems. And so I, I did uh, have the privilege of visiting them, as well as Oxfam, which is also uh, very involved internationally. You know, that group is amazing, anti-slavery. Um, on their website, they have this picture that... Um, um, it just gets to me every time I see it, and, and sometimes I just go look at it um, to remain inspired. And it's a, a picture of a little girl with tears running down her eyes, and the caption says um, her name is um, Eminata. And uh, it really sums up in her expression what we're talking about. Well, what has gone on is that um, slavery has, has been going on, again, for centuries. But now, today, it has really gone around the world latitudinally and longitudinally, and it's just going, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. So you see it's growing exponentially rather than shrinking. Yes. And um, what, what brought you um, to the Eastern Carolina Coalition Against Human Trafficking? It seems like your work is, is doing quite well there, and you've, had, you've made some amazing progress within your state. Well, I moved here, and when I moved here, um, I had the privilege of seeing that this particular organization was just getting up and running. So I went to its first meeting, and I didn't realize at the time that it was its first meeting, and wound up then serving on its board. <laughs> you know, it's like in an auction, you raise your hand, and there you are. You have the, you ha you're on the board. You're serving. <laughs> you're tagged. Huh? You're, <laughs> you're tagged. You're right there. That's right. And uh, so, th so oh, that's what, that's how I got involved with this, uh, with this organization, and we've taken it forward from there. So as you're working here, um, and as we're talking and we spoke with Mark, and, and uh, of course my experience is, as you said earlier, it is getting worse. We had a question. Can, can you say why is it getting worse? That's a very good question. Um, I, from, from what we can tell, it's, what's driving it is money. Money, money, money. Um, behind human trafficking, it's, it's highly profitable. Uh, and it's not just the women and girls being trafficked, it's men, men and boys primarily in the labor, forced labor coercion uh, to be out on farms and restaurants and landscaping and elsewhere, uh, as well as in the sex trade. And then women that are about women and girls, primarily uh, anywhere between 12 and 15, that's a pretty good average age for these girls. They can be younger and they can be older. We've heard about 70-year-old women being uh, trafficked over in Asia. But here in the States, um, we I've lost my track. Why is it getting worse? It, again, it's just money. It's up there at around uh, $31 billion worldwide. And so it's right there with illegal, it's there with drugs, and it's there up in arms. If you think about $31 million, I, or billion dollars, I, I looked at some major corporations, and I figured, okay, McDonald's, how much do they do in a year? And, and um, 
And there's a McDonald's on every corner. And so if you can imagine that slavery is bigger than that, it lets you know it's on every corner. And I believe the reason it's getting worse is it's still, do you agree with me, kind of a low-risk crime? I think so. The traffickers, yeah, traffickers are into other deals. And they have all the vehicles, the avenues, they have the um, distribution networks, uh, and they're under the radar. And, and right now, so right now, it really opened up when a lot of the when a lot of the borders uh, dropped, and uh, a lot of the uh, and then with all the different um, natural disasters, the movement of people. I'm just going to say the right out is the movement of people is allowing pe people are just moving from one country to the next much more easily and the traffickers have certainly picked up on that. It's following a lot of the again the um, the pipelines, the drug pipelines and the uh, arms deals. Uh, so if you follow that particular, the pipelines, you're going to start seeing trafficking. Okay. So let's summarize then. You were in 1998. You found out trafficking existed. You moved to Carolina and felt um, that it was only natural that you get involved when you heard the Eastern Coalition Against Human Trafficking was formed. And in doing your work, you found there was legislative needs and that, that this crime was, was based on greed and money, and there was a lot of it happening. When we come back, let's talk about some of your legislative efforts. We're going to take a break now. This is Dottie Laster with Trafficked on Hear Women Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is Dottie Laster with Trafficked, produced and broadcast by Zeus Radio Network for Hear Women Talk. Just want to let you know we're watching the chat lines. We'd like you to call in at 646-652-2071. Also, you can join, join us at hearwomentalk.com. And you can continue this discussion long after this radio show is done. You can stay in touch with the guest, with me, the host, and post your own discussions at hearwomentalk.com. Join the trafficked social page and keep the discussion alive. Okay, we are back now with Betty Hubion of the Eastern Carolina Coalition Against Human Trafficking. Betty, you told me over the break that you had some wonderful support from a key organization and a key person. Can you tell me about that? Right. Um, Kelly O'Neill Bagwell is the founder of ECAT, as we affectionately call the Eastern Carolina Coalition Against Human Trafficking. And she is a Zonta member, and that's how she got involved, because Zonta supports efforts and funds uh, various projects against human trafficking. And uh, so she, she was asked to join the South Carolina Task Force on, um, uh, on Human Trafficking. That eventually uh, dissolved, and that's when she said, we're, she looked at this map that showed various cases in all the different states surrounding South Carolina, and South Carolina had none. And she said, that's not right. Uh, traffickers don't take a look at a state and say, well, we're going to avoid South Carolina. We're just going to go to Georgia and North Carolina and Florida and so forth. We're just, we, we're just not going to go to South Carolina. That's just not true. So she founded uh, ECAT, 
uh, and we established ECAT in 2008. So we're really, we're, we're new, but we're not new into human trafficking. There are two other coalitions, one which we are mentoring, and that's in the low country area of South Carolina. That's around uh, Buford, and Hilton Head is probably very popular, is very well known. And there's another um, coalition on the other side that was started by uh, Not For Sale and Seroptimus International and some other organizations. Uh, so we're working collaboratively with everybody, with these other two coalitions, and going statewide. Part of that, uh, may I continue, Dottie? <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say one question. We have a map. I mean, we have a question about where you can find that map of, uh, of uh, task forces. Well, it's not of task forces. It's a map of cases. So it's, it's oh, okay. what it shows is where uh, persons being trafficked, where they've come from in the different states. And I don't – it's fairly current. Uh, and it's very good, but it's not really current, current. I can... Um, Is it something we could post on our social we, discussion site? We probably can. I'll check with okay. Kelly because she's the one that got it, and I just have it here, and we want to make sure that uh, that we can do that. But okay, otherwise, yeah, I don't see or, why or not. A, a website or something, sure. we, we will post sure. to that. Sure. Now, we, we're going to run short of time, but I wanted to really make sure we took a minute or so and talked about the legislation your organization was able to get passed. We, we actually didn't get it passed yet. We have to refile it, and we've got two years to do this now, so we're going to do it. And uh, it's 4522 is the number of the bill. It is a full uh, uh, bill against human trafficking. It includes asset forfeiture and victim restitution. The bill in South Carolina, South Carolina was one of the first states to pass le uh, legislation against human trafficking, but all it dealt with was that it's illegal and that there's a penalty. The bill that just passed is actually uh, came out of the Greenville uh, Spartanburg area under Representative Harold uh, uh, Mitchell, and that's 4202. And all the, they, what they did was it amended the bill so that the trafficker now uh, has a max of 30 years and it's a felony. So it's much more strong in terms of penalty. 4522. So now you're moving to get more victims. The whole um, thing. The whole protection. thing. And to reestablish yeah. the task force, to get this really integrated. We're happy that uh, we now have an ICE POC point of contact that's focused on human trafficking. We now have an FBI agent that's focused on human trafficking. And the U.S. Attorney's Office in South Carolina is recommitted to fight human trafficking. So we're really awesome. pleased with that because we work with all of them. And, uh, and uh, so uh, also what came out is the National Conference on State Legislators to which all legislators in each state, once they're elected, they belong to that organization. They just published a policy statement on human trafficking that's going to allow more state laws to pass. So we're definitely going after it. We need to have this law to integrate uh, the various jurisdictions of local law enforcement agencies and to allow victim funds and restitution to victims and get this asset forfeiture. Well, you go, Betty. That's what we got to do. And if you will send any links where our listeners can help you and, and read the law and, and join your group, um, please do so. We'll put them on our discussion site. Um, I want to thank you so much for being with us and being a part of us and invite you to continue the discussion with our listeners online. Thank you so much, Betty. Well, thank you very much, and it's my pleasure, and I'll get those links out to you. All right. Now, listeners, I have the incredible honor of introducing Poet Laureate Larry Jaffe. He is the author of a book, One Child Soul, that has received an amazing series of reviews, um, 
And it really gets to the heart of what we have all been talking about today. It's art that moves people to action, that explains what the victims have gone through and really can help you to understand both the good and the bad that comes of this crime. A lot of people ask why I giggle so much and why I'm happy. Well, when you've helped a few victims of trafficking, um, you don't really have a lot of problems with the rest of your day. And uh, I appreciate Larry bringing to the readers the emotion of the victims and the ability to understand what freedom really means. Because by understanding slavery, you can truly enjoy the freedom that we hold. Larry, how are you? I'm good, Daddy. I'm, I'm wondering who you were talking about there for a minute. <laughs> I, I, um, writing a book is nothing compared to, to what these folks go through. Um, I try and use my art to communicate that, you know. There's that old saying, of, you know, uh, it's about walking a mile in my shoes, but my job as an artist is to get somebody else to walk a mile in their shoes, you know. Well, I think you've done so well, and I, I quoted some of your phrases, which is um, eating broken glass while wearing barbed wire, and uh, I truly have seen that in my in my victims' eyes and in their experiences. Um, I had asked you to come on today because I wanted to close this show with one of my favorite poems that you wrote called Owned. And would you mind reading that for us now? I wouldn't mind at all. It would be my pleasure. Um, it's going to take a second to get that own feeling, you know? <laughs> owned. I am owned by silence. Possessed by others, slavery denied in the highest places. I'm owned by intolerance. Drugs prevent protest. Women and children sold to the highest bidder on hidden street corners of underground slave markets. I am owned by indifference. Fears my only salvation. Children shackled to machinery in third world factories owned by first world corporations. I am owned by finance, body and soul, women chained to beds in nomadic brothels. I am owned by ignorance, my rights abused, invisible chains bind my soul. You say slavery is dead. I am living proof it lives. I am owned and only wish to be free. I am owned. I will be free. Thank you so much. And this is a poem from your book, One Child Sold. And tell us how readers can get to that book. Uh, if they go to www.salmonpoetry.com that's S-A-L-M-O-N poetry.com and they'll find the book listed there and they can just click and order it directly from the publisher. Simon Poetry is one of the one of my favorite publishers. They're based in Ireland and um, I don't know, I grew up wanting to be a Simon Poet, I guess, you know? <laughs> 
So um, we have comments on our chat line about how beautiful that was, how emotional that was. What is your hope for readers of your book, and, and what do you hope your book accomplishes? Well, first of all, I want to thank you for writing an amazing introduction for me. You're so welcome. I was honored at your request. And, you know, an artist has the ability to go places that politicians cannot, activists cannot, just because you're using aesthetic to communicate with. So I do a lot of workshops in schools on, you know, human rights. Uh, based on the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and then my position with Youth for Human Rights International to get that, those rights known and understood. I wrote the book. Actually, it's been in progress, I guess, for about three years since I visited a concentration camp in the Czech Republic called Terezin, which there's a section of the book on. And Terezin was the showplace for the Nazis to say uh, that concentration camps weren't bad things. Hard to believe the Red Cross actually toured this place. Um, and all Jewish artists were put there. Writers, intelligentsia, poets, musicians, and um, a lot of children, in which there were something like 10,000 children there and about 100 survived. And um, it just really got to me, <laughs> I have to tell you. Yes, I, I read what you wrote about feeling the need to um, to wash the evil off yourself and how you had breathed it in. So I thank you so much, Larry. I urge our listeners to stay in contact with you. Larry is a member of Hear Women Talk. He is on our social site at the Trafficked social site at hearwomentalk.com. And uh, I urge you to uh, click on Salmon Poetry and order this book. I'm sure you will not be sorry. Um, I want to close and make sure if you know of any victims of human trafficking, tell them to please call the national hotline number. It's 888-3737-888. And on that note, I got a message, an urgent message from Denise last night. We desperately will want to help you. Um, please contact us, get to a safe place. Clay Davis and I are ready and willing to help you. Um, we forwarded your information to, um, to law enforcement. And Denise, if you're out there, please give us information to help you. Um, thank you to all our listeners today. I want you guys to know you can change a life. If you will click on our Hear Woman Talk social site, you will see our happy story of the day. There is a picture of me with one of my clients who had been detained, who was a victim of trafficking. Uh, she's known as Kiki in the story, The Lost Girls at Texas Monthly Magazine. And if you will notice, we are outside the razor wire. We were able to get her out of a year of detention with an amazing teamwork dedicated to making sure victims of trafficking are protected and not incarcerated. So thank you so much. Um, this has been our show for today. Next week, we will speak with Logan Clark of Clark International Investigations and legal analyst Robin Sachs. You'll see her on Fox and CNN and Larry King talking about uh, uh, many issues. And uh, we're going to be just so fortunate to have him on our show. 
This has been Dottie Laster with Traffic, produced and broadcast by Zeus Radio Network for Hear Women Talk. Thank you for being a part of our first show on human trafficking.